0: Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great educational website? Then go to McClanahanacademy.com. That's McClanahanacademy.com. Enroll free of charge. Get a free class 10 minutes of American history when you do enroll. Look, I've got awesome classes there classes on the Constitution, classes on the Civil War, classes on secession, classes on American history. A whole slew of great stuff just waiting for you. Go to McClanahanacademy.com, enroll and get a real history education. Progressives are really upset with the Supreme Court. They wanna gut it. Well, let's talk about that on this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter. Like my Facebook page and subscribe to my YouTube page. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmclanahan.com, B-R-I-O-N, mclanahan.com, or just do at brianmclanahan. You can find them all that way, too. You can uh, support the show by going to Academy.com. And again, if it's June 2023, when you've got this, just use the coupon code JUNE at McClanahan Academy. Get 25% off every class, and you want to do that this month because... Prices go up in July of 2023. So you're going to get the best deal you're ever going to get again at McClanahan Academy this month. So make sure you capitalize on that and get those classes. You can also support the show by clicking on the support tab at brianmcclanahan.com, clicking on the heart button under this video. If you're watching on YouTube, the super thanks button. You can throw a few pennies my way those way, or you can go to Spotify for podcasts. You can subscribe there. You can throw a few pennies my way that way. But as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Let so people know you love it. Share it around on social media. Send me those show requests. I do want to see what you want to hear. And the more people we can get watching and listening to this program, the more Think Locally, Act Locally is going to take over. But the progressives, see, uh, have, st- have started to get this a little bit. And this is the funniest thing about it. And I don't, I, as I mentioned on this show before with Jamel Bowie and others, I don't think their commitment to these kind of things is really rock solid. And there's something enjoyable about all of this when progressives are starting to complain about the Supreme Court because since the 19th, well, really since the New Deal, since the early 20th century, in fact, progressives have used the Supreme Court to their advantage and it's been a progressive Supreme Court that's allowed them to get just about anything they want through. You see, progressives have had really no luck with legislation, particularly at the state level, and getting what they want. So what they've done is simply use the federal courts to enforce whatever they want to enforce. Well, you can't do that, states. So you've got these unhinged leftists at places like The Nation writing really ridiculous op-eds about how the court needs to be curtailed to save democracy. If we could all go back to the New Deal, when we had a good Supreme Court that actually did things that we liked, or maybe if we could go back to the Warren Court or some of these other. But you see, right now, the court isn't going that way, and the Democrats are too timid to try to stop it. The progressives don't know what to do, so we need to cut the power of the court. Well, I find all of this fascinating. I've talked about this with Jamel Bowie how he's written piece after piece at the New York Times talking about how the anti-federalists were worried about the courts. And maybe they were right. Maybe the courts were a real problem in American history. Maybe John Marshall did some bad things by making the, the, making the Supreme Court the final arbiter of everything. But again, the fascinating thing about all that, they didn't have the courts. They wouldn't have any of their agenda, really. It would have been gone. If the left did not have the courts you would not see most of what we consider to be the leftist agenda in place today. So all the conservatives have done is simply gotten their people on the court and they've started to undo some of it, but not really all of it, and they never will. I was even shocked with the Dobbs decision. I thought that that would never happen, that the conservatives would never have the guts to simply say, you know, this is not really a federal issue, it's a state issue, send it back to the states. They should do that with virtually everything that the court has ever done. If they just did that, I mean, the left would go into rage over this, but it would be the proper thing to do. And then the states could decide what they want to do with all of these issues. Now, I'm going to tell you what's happened with that, of course, is remarkable. The left has started to figure out, well, wait, if this goes back to the states, it doesn't mean that uh, the principles of Roe v. Wade are going to be overturned because every state can decide. And most states have basically kept the status quo with a few more restrictions, but not much has changed in most of America. It's simply that, well, the Supreme Court doesn't have any control over this issue anymore. It's not a federal issue, it's a state issue. Gee, you think if they rolled back all of these other things that are now, uh, you know, generally accepted in society, that any of that would even change? I don't. I mean, some states might do some things, but for the most part, you would not see much of these social issues that... Uh, the left is now famous for calling everybody you know, all the names they want to call them. You wouldn't see any of those things really roll back in many states at all. It would basically stay there. It's just that these are not under the purview of the federal government anymore. And that terrifies the left. In fact, uh, there's a, a couple of pieces at The Nation, both written by the same ridiculous leftist, Jeet Her. I mean, Jeet Her. Uh, I don't know if it's... I, I, I guess I'm saying that right. Uh, but Jeet Hur, he has got, uh, I mean, over 200,000 followers on Twitter. He is a lead writer at The Nation. He has a podcast. But what I find fascinating about Jeet Hur is a proposal that he's championing that was written in The Atlantic. Again, The Nation and The Atlantic are the two most ridiculous magazines on the face of the planet in the, in the United States. Uh, well, I say that. They're really bad. Uh, but there was a proposal. In 2022 for how to change the Supreme Court and this was by two Harvard quote unquote legal scholars and he brings us up he says uh, that these scholars uh, suggested this quote if the court is today eviscerating those very constitutional commitments through the, through its case law Congress should enact or amend federal statutes to advance a different understanding of a nation built on democratic justice It should reshape the court's ability to intervene in these disputes, including by restricting the court's authority to set aside federal legislation. Well, this is absolutely remarkable. You've got a progressive suggesting, and a couple of other progressives, suggesting that we get rid of judicial review. It shouldn't be there, a federal legislation. We can't set aside federal legislation. But, aha, wait, what could you do? And it should conscript the court in enforcing federal commitments when resistant state officials brazenly declare that the national government has no jurisdiction to protect Americans from their parochial rule. So what it should do, let me, let me translate this into uh, real English. What it should do is say we have no more federal judicial review, but we do have judicial review of state decisions. So we can't invalidate congressional legislation from the United States Congress, but we can invalidate state legislation. So in other words, they would flip the entire original Constitution on its head. Because if you go back and you look at John Marshall and everyone else that argued for the Constitution, particularly when it came to this issue of judicial review, It was said it was going to be used. I mean, Marshall suggested it in Virginia during the ratifying convention. Patrick Henry was fine with that. He hoped that there would be some kind of backstop to protect uh, the states from unconstitutional federal legislation that the Supreme Court could do that. But what nobody thought was going to happen, even John Marshall said, that there would not be a federal negative of state law through the courts. But what these dopes and Jeet Her are arguing is that, well, we should have a federal negative of state law, but not of federal law. Now, think about why they would want this. They control the Congress for the most part, generally. They think they've got demographics on their side. and Eventually, they're just going to control the Congress in perpetuity. I talked about this week how a third party might lead to another Biden term. And then if the Democrats are smart, they're going to run someone like Michelle Obama. Then they got two more terms. And then they'll come up with somebody else, some other identity politics issue, and they'll get that. So they can stay in power this way. Congress is a little more difficult, but they think they can at least control the Senate, maybe the House sometimes. But regardless, you look at the... the, uh, The uh, debt ceiling argument and the Democrats got really everything they wanted out of that. So, you can't challenge any of this stuff. In fact, there's actually language in this, this bill that prohibits some of this stuff from being challenged in court. You can't challenge it. So, what the Democrats want is complete control of the federal government and complete control of the state governments through a federal veto of state law. That's what Jeet Hur and Nicholas Bowie and Daphna Renan, who are Harvard legal scholars, this is what they want, which is a complete distortion, again, of the original Constitution and how it was argued in Philadelphia and how it was argued in the state ratifying conventions. Nobody, in fact, if there was a state negative of federal or a federal negative of state law, excuse me, no one would have supported the document except for a few people in Philadelphia, but it would have gone down in defeat and we know that it was explicitly rejected in the Philadelphia convention it wasn't in the document what they're suggesting is to make that happen through federal legislation so if you go back and look at the philadelphia convention of course the ratifying conventions a if the congress tried to do this well if you the first thing they do is strip the federal government the federal court system, from being able to invalidate that, and then it would have to go through some other process. Congress would have to decide. Essentially, you've created a situation where the states then would have to say, sorry, we're not following through with this. Sorry, you're wrong. Now, um, that would be really challenging because it's going to go through the courts. Well, I guess the states could invoke the 11th Amendment and say, we're not being sued by you. At all. We're not allowing us, we're not allowing ourselves to be sued, nor any of our officials to be sued. You can't do that. Sorry. And where are you gonna hear the case? Well, of course, it would have to be heard in a federal court. But then at that point, the court, the federal court could probably say, if they were smart, well, this really is unconstitutional. You can't do this. But of course they've been doing it for years, so they'd have to call out all the other prior examples, all the case law that would allow for a, federal, for a federal judge to throw out state law. You see, we've created very dangerous things when it comes to uh, the checks and balances in the general government. And some people, like Jeet Her and these Harvard legal scholars, are starting to realize what they could actually do. It's really dangerous. Now, Jeet Her thinks we need to uh, change the court. I mean, the piece I really want to get into is something he wrote May 29th, the court's legitimacy crisis is an opportunity Democrats should seize. The court's legitimacy crisis is an opportunity Democrats should seize. Legitimacy crisis of the court. Now again, I find this language fascinating. I find it fascinating because for years conservatives said the court lacked legitimacy. There's no legitimacy in the federal court system. It's not there. It doesn't exist. But uh, for a long time, Democrats said, "Oh no, the courts are what we—the courts—we got to take it to the courts." I remember back in 2008 when John McCain was nominated by the Republicans, and of course, he promised to go after Obamacare and do these things. One of the things he would say in the Senate was, "We're going to take Obamacare to the courts." Well, how'd that work out? Democrats think the court is completely legitimate when it's siding with them. But when it's not siding with them, it's illegitimate. And, of course, they're bringing up corruption and justices being influenced. That stuff's been going on for years. They bring up the New Deal Court. Well, what happened in 19... Why why did the Supreme Court, beginning in 1937, start to go along with Roosevelt's nonsense? Why? Because he threatened them politically. We're going to pack the court, even though it didn't happen. He threatened them politically. He threatened their power, and they capitulated. So that's not independence from American politics. That's the the executive branch directly becoming involved in this, and of course, cutting the power of the court. So let me read this little unhinged, ridiculous piece from Jeet Her. When liberals worry about the future of democracy... I mean, <laughs> I get an image in my head I, like these little, like, Jeet Hurst sitting around, oh my gosh, wringing his hands. Oh no, I'm worried about democracy. <laughs> these little, little... Can you imagine waking up every day and thinking like this? I can't. I can't. Uh, But this is what these people, I mean, these people live in this world. They worry, I lost sleep over democracy. I couldn't rest because I was worried about what the Supreme Court was going to do tomorrow. Imagine being that stupid. It's, It's fascinating in a way. It really is a mental disorder. It's a mental illness. And of course, we're legitimizing mental illness across the United States in so many different ways, but... I mean, this is mental illness. To worry about things like that. Worry about the future of democracy. They have technicolor nightmares. The orange oaf. Inciting an attack on the Capitol by his red cap-wearing MAGA minions. Including the QAnon shaman with his ridiculous stars and stripes facial makeup. Now this is why reality doesn't really factor into these people's technicolor nightmare you see the shaman the qanon shaman has been shown now proven through evidence that this guy wasn't doing anything like that he wasn't inciting any insurrection he was being marshalled around by the capital police hey yeah where you want to go sure go here go there but these people live in a narrative. Where they have boogeymen and they gotta pr- they gotta promote the boogeyman idea. Orange man, MAGA wearing red hat, minions. All the fascinating film that, of course, Tucker Carlson showed shows that none of this narrative was actually true. None of it. This is just a narrative fabricated by the Democrats with political theater putting up barricades and all kinds you know, having shields at the ready in case people decide to storm the Capitol again. The whole Russia collusion, all this stuff's been proven untrue. But to these people, living in their mental insanity, it's all real. It's all real, and they worry about it. They wring their hands over it. But the threat to democracy is multi-pronged and doesn't always come in vibrant hues. Hmm, It's not always technicolor with orange man and red hats and U.S flag-faced painted shamans. It's something else. It can come in black robes. Now I'll give Jeet her credit. He's a pretty funny writer when it comes to his descriptions, but it's all just ridiculous. Trump's most thuggish supporters represent the street fighting wing of the right. Now, imagine if you said that about the left, Biden's most thuggish supporters represent the street fighting wing of the left. Oh my gosh. What have you just done here? Is that a dog whistle? Is that a Are you using, are you using racially toned language here? You see, these people can get away with it, because there's no accountability. And the piece I'm going to talk about also this week gets into this, the last piece for the week. But as much as the goons unleashed a level of violence unseen in national politics in decades, they also proved politically ineffectual. A level of violence unseen in national politics in decades these people i mean i'm not even sure where these, what these world these people live in did you miss uh in 2020 20 i mean all of the riots that took place around the united states property damage in the millions billions actually did you miss all of that but no 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 the january 6th, 2021 insurrection was successfully thwarted and of course, that's what he's talking about. The political violence. These people live in a very strange, sad world. Joe Biden was duly inaugurated. The majority of the public was horrified by Donald Trump's antics. The January 6th committee proved, uh, provided a narrative that blamed Trump and cemented the popular consensus. Well, again, all of that has been proved... Incorrect. They provided a narrative. That's correct. Provided the truth? No. But a narrative? Yes. A narrative. You see, he doesn't say they provided the truth behind it. They provided a narrative. Just like Jeet Her is providing a narrative, that's incorrect. It's a fantasy. A fairy tale. But one that all of these weird, mentally ill people that read this stuff, that wring their hands over the future of democracy will eat up. And the Democrats have successfully used the memory of the clownish coup attempt to trounce MAGA candidates in special elections in the midterm. The clownish coup attempt. What coup attempt? (laughs) I mean, this is hilarious. But this is the world these people live in. In contrast to that abject failure. Wait, let me back up here. 2016, and we'll talk about this with Uh, Victor Davis Hanson's piece, who I don't... Look, I agree with what he's saying, but he's missing a huge part of what he's saying in the piece I'm going to talk about. But what about all the people that called Trump illegitimate in 2016? I mean, was that a coup attempt? What about the fact that they actually impeached the man? They impeached Donald Trump on known false information. Is that not a coup? There was an attempt to remove the sitting president of the United States... With falsified documents that the intelligence community knew were false, and the Congress still did it anyways, is that not a coup? It's exactly it's a, it's it's what it is. It's a coup. They didn't get their way, but that's what they were trying to do. So who's really instigating a coup attempt? Is it the left or the right? In contrast to that abject failure, Trump's greatest success has been in cementing reactionary power over the commanding heights of the American political system, the federal judiciary. The project to make the judiciary a bulwark of right-wing power log long predates Trump. Well, but wasn't the left doing the exact same thing? Of course. This is where Calhoun, when he was writing about these things in the 1850s, or actually 1830s and 40s before he died in 1850. He was making the case that this is what's going to happen. The people in power, the people that have power, are going to use it. The people out of power are going to complain about it. But when they're in power, they're going to do the exact same thing. And they're going to say that they wouldn't do it, but they do. And that's exactly what the left is doing here, what this Jeet Her is talking about. But Trump's crucial four years in the White House allowed him to appoint three Supreme Court justices, 54 judge, judges on the Court of Appeals, and 174 judges on the district courts, pushing the judiciary far to the right. What's amazing about that is while Biden hasn't had the same number of Supreme Court justices, I think he's appointed more judges than Trump did. So would Jeet Her say that, well, Biden has done this and he's going to push the court to the left? No, of course not. But this is the narrative, right? He's creating a narrative, just like there was a narrative created, but not the truth. And so the truth is left out of this. Unlike the MAGA mob, reactionary judges don't present a visual spectacle. They wear the black robes of respectability and exert their power in decisions full of arcane jargon. But the reactionary courts, precisely because they embody institutional power, pose a more serious threat to American democracy than even the largest mob of MAGA ruffians. Now again, look at the languages being used here. Minions, thugs ruffians clowns oafs this is the kind of language that was used in the 1850s when the left the republicans were criticizing conservatives same type of stuff how do you even negotiate with these people how do you even take them seriously you don't you know who's a clown Jeet her a major clown. You can't take these people seriously. In striking contrast to the successful deployment of January 6th by Democrats and never-Trump Republicans as a cudgel to deleg- delegitimize MAGA, political opposition to the right-wing courts is still coalescing. It remains deeply divided. In striking contrast, so in striking contrast to what these people were able to do, the deployment of the January 6th commission, successful deployment, like... A military operation to unseat a president. What's that called again? Begins with the C, ends with the P. You see, this man is completely unaware. He has he lacks any awareness, self-awareness about what he's actually saying here. Using military terms and creating a narrative that's not based on the truth. It's stupid. The national leadership of the Democratic Party, notably Biden's White House and Illinois Senator Dick Durbin, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, has little appetite for a fight with the right-wing courts. The timidity of the Democratic Party leadership stands in stark contrast to the actions of the Republican-appointed judges themselves, who increasingly display the impudence of those who know they enjoy near-absolute impunity. The impudence just, I mean, again, the language, it's seething with hate, disdain, intolerance, and these are the tolerant people. They can only be removed if they are impeached in the House by a majority vote and convicted in the Senate by a two-thirds vote. This very high hurdle has been cleared only in the rarest of cases. Judicial power derives not just from lifetime appointments, but also from the gridlock that has overtaken American politics. Over the past few decades, the courts have filled the policymaking vacuum created by Congress's inability to pass laws and the increasing reliance on executive authority by successive presidents. In effect, judicial review rather than congressional oversight has become the preferred way to thwart or check presidential actions. Well, I agree with them there. But but who created this stupidity? Well, a bunch of progressives. Who wouldn't have done it? Well, conservatives. This is the funniest thing about all this. These people are complaining about the system they created. Who was really the first, in the 20th century, the first kind of monarchical president? Well, you could say it's Woodrow Wilson, or you could say it's Franklin Roosevelt, but in both cases, you're talking about progressives. Now dominated by extreme ideology, ideologues appointed by Trump and earlier Republicans, the courts haven't been shy about flaunting their power. The Dobbs decision, overturning a constitutional right to abortion that had been affirmed by nearly five decades, is the most far reaching instance of the Supreme Court's right wing activism. But that's not what it did. First of all, there's no constitutional right to any of this. No constitutional right. They didn't say that. Right wing activism. Essentially saying, you know, this issue is not really a federal issue. You can go back to the states and they can do what they want with it. That's activism now. Notice the language he's using. He's using the same language that's been used against Democrats and leftists on the court for years. But now it's right-wing activism. But Dobbs stands alongside decisions that erode the separation of church and state, curtail environmental laws, and limit the government's power to implement gun control. Lower courts, particularly in red states like Texas, are coming up with even more radical opinions. Notably, U.S. District Judge Matthew uh, Kazmark's decision to end access to a widely available abortion drug. The decision is currently stayed and will likely be settled by a higher court. Beyond these displays of judicial power, several justices are increasingly lawless in their personal conduct. Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch are both entangled in potentially serious conflict of interest violations for not disclosing lavish financial benefits from wealthy individuals who have business before the court. You see, it's not just these people make bad decisions. They're personally corrupt. So we need to take them out. Now you look at the concern of you know people like Jeet Her and what they really want out of this. Why are they concerned about these uh, Supreme Court justices abusing uh, their ethics or whatever it is, power? They want power in this, right? I mean, this is what it's all about. They want to be able to control the entire United States or the court system. You see, they had controlled it for so long that uh, they've become disillusioned by the fact that they no longer have control over these things. This was supposed to be their way of controlling things. So they're going to use supposed ethics violations by these judges. In some cases, they probably are, but this has been the way of the court for years, even Before. These conservatives were on the bench, but it's something that they can, of course, target now. But look at what they're saying. You have to you have to kind of parse this out and understand what they're really doing here. He says a robust and unified Democratic Party could successfully push back against the reactionary and lawless courts. Activists have suggested a raft of policies congressional Democrats could embrace, such as enacting ethics reforms, including setting guidelines for Supreme Court justices, and investigating judges. Look what he says activists have suggested, right? It's all about activism. Activists. As Molly Coleman of the People's Parody Project notes, <laughs> the People's Parody Project. <laughs> you got to love it, right? Parody. We want parity. No, they really don't want parity. They want power. It should be the People's Party Project, People's Power Project, right? That's what it should be. People's Power Project. Congress could strip, quote, the judiciary's power to hear cases related to specific pieces of legislation or by routing all challenges to a given statute to a court of its choosing. It can do this. Congress can do anything it wants with the courts. I've said this for years, back in 2012, when I wrote uh, my Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution. I remember talking about this. Congress could do whatever it wanted with the courts. It could eliminate these appellate courts. It could do any of that. But why wouldn't it? Republicans had control of the Congress at one point. Why wouldn't they do it? Well, because they like the structure too. And they think if they can just get their people on the bench, this works for them. And you're seeing the benefits of that. Now, again, Obama, I'm sorry, Biden has appointed more federal judges than Trump did. But um, certainly, it's, it's how we, you know, this, this whole game of appointments is just ridiculously stupid. I agree with progressives that the court system never should have the power that it has. But they created it. Now they want to do something about it. But again, it's important to note, what they really want to do is make it to where you cannot invalidate a federal law because they think they'll control the federal government, but you can have a negative of a state law, which was the complete distortion of the Constitution. It can eliminate the power of a single judge to issue nationwide injunctions, a power invented by judges, but well within the authority of Congress to modify or eliminate. Now, where did you start seeing this? The leftists are the ones who started this. And I'll use a very famous court case in this instance. Brown v. Board of Education in 1954. A decision... That was purely political, by the way. If you look at the law, it was a purely political decision. But Southerners argued at that time that it only applied to Kansas. It didn't apply anywhere else, but we were told, no, no, no. This applies to everywhere else. Not just Kansas. it applies to everywhere. Well, doesn't the left do this? I mean take uh, the issue of marriage. In Kentucky, there was an injunction issued in Kentucky and that applied everywhere. It just went to every other state. You see, the left uses this to their advantage. This leftist saying these things isn't real. I don't know if they're thinking this through because if that was the case, they wouldn't have much of their own their own culture war implemented in the United States. They invented this stuff and now they're upset when it goes against them. That's the real funny part about all of this. He says, Unfortunately, the current leadership of the Democratic Party doesn't have the stomach for these fights. It's telling that Clarence Thomas currently cannot be subpoenaed because Senator Dianne Feinstein, who sits on the Judiciary Committee, hasn't been able to perform her duties due to various health problems. It's telling. Well, she's not there because she's sick. How is that telling? Uh, But I don't think they're going to do it anyways. You see, the left knows, the, the, the uniparty knows, the Democrats know, that they can just get their people on the bench and they'll do the exact same thing. They don't want to reduce the power of the courts because that's how they've always won. They're just upset that their people aren't on the courts anymore. So finally, Jeet Her says, Taking on the courts is good politics since they are rapidly losing legitimacy because of their widely hated decisions. This has been the case for years. For years, decades, decades, conservatives have been railing against the courts for as long as I can remember, going back easily in the 1980s, but certainly in the 70s and the 60s. They've been railing against the courts, even before that. Heck, you can go all the way back to John Marshall and find where uh, you had people saying the courts are illegitimate. Thomas Jefferson saying this is the obiter dissertation of the Chief Justice. In other words, he can say all he wants, but it, doesn't really, it shouldn't really have any meaning outside of what his ruminations are. We know that the opponents of the Constitution worried about the powers of the courts. They were told over and over again the courts would be the weakest branch of government, not the strongest. But what we've seen is that the Congress has become the weakest branch of government, and the executive branch and the courts have become the most powerful branches of government. The courts being unelected, by the way, the executive branch assuming powers it doesn't really have. And Congress has allowed all this to happen. I think Jeet Her is right about this. Congress could do more to stop this stuff and all the progressive hand-wringing over these things. And I mean, some of it's weird. But when you've got um, all kinds of progressives, uh, Jamel Bowie, who I've talked about on this show, saying we need to do something about the courts, and they're going back to the Yantes and looking at that. I find it fascinating. Now, are they committed to this, or are this only politically expedient? Is it about power, which, of course, I'll talk about tomorrow? It's all about power. They're saying things because it works for them at the time. There's no hypocrisy. I mean, this is all hypocritical. If, the, if, the, if 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 liberals were doing all this stuff, if progressives are doing it, they would be all for it. You can't do it. Congress can't do this stuff. Congress can't tell you. We shouldn't have Congress do this. This is this is the law. It's a constitutional right. These are the law. You're tearing down the law if you go after these people. This is the way it's always been. You see, that's what they would be saying. But because it's conservatives doing it, no, 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 Then it becomes bad. Last September, Gallup reported that approval of the courts was at a historic low. Who cares? In late April, Justice Samuel Leto gave a bitter interview to the Wall Street Journal in which he bemoaned the fact that the legitimacy of the courts was being undermined by those saying, quote, they're illegitimate. They're engaging in all sorts of unethical, unethical conduct. He's saying the courts are being undermined. I mean, again, look, this has been an argument against the courts by conservatives for decades. The courts are doing things that really were not, they're really not designed to do, particularly in the most, the most important part is invalidating state law. We know that there were people that argued that judicial review was going to be used, but not over state law, which is the important thing. It didn't have a federal negative of state law. Though Alito blames the messenger, the media has simply been reporting on what the courts are doing, and Americans have taken note. But if the Democrats make checking these lawless courts a rallying cry, such sentiment could move from a problem to decry to a golden opportunity for real change. I mean, I wouldn't put it past the left to make this an issue, but again, I don't think they're going to strip the courts of any of this stuff because they want it. They simply just want the power to put their own people on the bench. That's all the Democrats are really worried about. You've got activists like her out there saying things that, you know, nobody's really going to, nobody really cares about. Uh, none of these things. This This is the stupidity of American politics. Real fundamental changes don't ever take place because, well, Americans don't know anything, which is, of course, what I also talked about this week when it came to education and history education. Why is there a problem? Because you have activists like this, and they would call this history, which it's not. It would be propaganda. And we have Americans who really don't know anything about their past. So, all right. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you tomorrow for the next one. See you then.